and welcome in to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We are back after a week off, and it is now 30 Rack Oktoberfest uh, edition. So we're getting into the mood for Oktoberfest. We've got our German hats on. We've got our streamers across the back. We're drinking some Oktoberfest beer. So we are all ready to go here on 30 Rack of Sports. But first, let us reintroduce ourselves. I'm Greg. I'm the talent. I steer this ship going absolutely nowhere. Try to keep the train on the tracks here. To my right is the disruptor, really. A man who may or may not have a bounty on Big Ten Commission, Kevin Morin. It's Zach. Zach, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Greg. And I appreciate you uh, politicizing, or not politicizing, uh, telling everybody about my bounty. Yeah. 100,000 alive. <laughs> 100,000 alive. Whoa. Wow. All right. That's a joke, by the way. I don't want to get in any trouble. That's a joke. <laughs> that's a joke. In this, this climate, that's a joke. The guy to my left who you can hear laughing. Um, a guy who, honestly, I have about as much faith as him bringing good content to the show as the Reds have in their bullpen. It's Josh. <laughs> Josh, you going to bring anything to the show this week? Um, I might hit a home run and go one for four, strike out the other three at bats, maybe throw in a walk in there, but, uh, the three true, three true outcome player. Yeah. Love yeah, it. Yeah. You know, I, I stick to, stick to the Cincinnati roots there. Look, <laughs> winning by four runs just isn't fun. Might as well give up a couple home runs and make things interesting. Well, I was going to say winning by four runs, uh, lose by one here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, always exciting times in Ohio and we're, Sure to get into it in just a minute, but as we mentioned, it's Oktoberfest here. Oktoberfest getting started here in a couple weeks. Obviously, not the same with all the pandemic and everything going on in the world, but we're going to try to bring a little Oktoberfest yeah. to this show for the show for the next few weeks. As we said, drinking some Oktoberfest beers, getting our German thoughts in here, drinking some Oktoberfest beer. Josh, it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Uh, next four weeks, drinking all Oktoberfest. If you have any suggestions for us, let us know. Um, we don't really have anyone picked out uh, for the next three weeks, but it'll all lead into NFL, uh, and we'll cap it off with our 30th 30-rack 30 episode and uh, the Browns-Bangles uh, that week, uh, second week of the NFL season on Thursday Night Football. Thursday Night, I do I hear a, a 40 I bet think coming we're, on? I think uh, we've got a 40, a 40 bet 40 bet, baby. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of exciting times. Uh, Stanley Cup semifinals and uh, championship will be coming up in this time, too. MLB playoff races are heating up. Uh, it's going to be a great time. NBA moving forward. Yeah, and, NBA uh, will be getting into the MLS too. restarting. And uh, just as a quick point of order, we are recording on uh, Saturday afternoon. So tonight's Hell is Real Derby. Uh, I think it's do derby. not have. <laughs> Thank you. Amateur. Whatever. Amateur. Uh, so that's happening tonight. So obviously can't give you our reactions, but uh, just a quick preview from our end. You can laugh at us if it's horribly wrong or uh, maybe give us a little pat in the back if it goes all right. Josh, expectations, predictions for the game tonight. You know, had we not absolutely been terrible, absolutely horrible against the Chicago Fire, uh, who had Very not funny. scored a goal. Very funny. Oh, my God. It was, there were so many things in that Very game that funny. I Two goals in, like, believe. the first nine minutes. We were building momentum, and that was bad. Um, had that not happened, I would say we might have a game tonight, but I'm going to go 3-1, uh, to one, crew. Um, from the crew side, 
a little bit disappointing against NYCFC. Uh, you know, the two games that they've struggled in, they haven't really had that urgency. I think rivalry game, after kind of uh, laying an egg in uh, the draw last week, I think they come out with some fire, with some energy. And I was going to go 2-0, but I think a late goal, 3-0 crew, uh, all crew tonight. Cincinnati's had some struggles. Crew's going to come out on fire, and uh, I think it's going to be a fun game tonight. Zach, uh, I know you're our soccer expert here. Any any thoughts? Uh, you know, I just you know, play a clean game and don't no handballs, right? No handballs. They're not allowed to touch it. I found out only the goalkeepers allowed to touch it with their hands. <laughs> All right, Zach, true. just hoping everybody has a lot of fun out there, and uh, we hope you have a lot of fun and uh, maybe open up a nice beer if you're, of course, if you're not in the car. If you're listening at home, if you're in the car, please don't open a beer. But uh, let's put it in a styrofoam cup. Whoa. No. <laughs> no. So, uh, you know, sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show as we get ready to open up our beer of the week. Oh. Beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's cool. And it's now time for our beer of the week. Our beer this week is an Oktoberfest beer as we celebrate Oktoberfest here on 30 Rack. It is Mad Tree Ziegler Oktoberfest Lager. Mad Tree, of course, a Cincinnati brewery located on Madison Road in Cincinnati. So, uh, guys, let's, I mean, prost. Cheers to yeah. Oktoberfest. See how this beer is. I love Oktoberfest. Uh, obviously, mm. we're a little early. I think everyone kind of got started on Oktoberfest a little early this year, what with the uh, world. Um, What's going on in the world? You know, things. Um, things, stuff. Things. <laughs> But I know we're going to be doing Oktoberfest for the next four weeks as we lead into uh, actual Oktoberfest when they would normally kick it off in Germany. Um, was that the second to last weekend of uh, September there? Um, so I'm excited. It's a very Cincinnati thing. It's a very Cincinnati Second largest Oktoberfest outside Germany. Outside Munich, yes. Or Munich even. Oh. So guys, do you know what an Oktoberfest beer is? Go ahead. Throw uh, a Marzen? Marzen, yeah. So it used to be a very dark beer, uh, you know, like a Schwartz beer. And then it lightened up early in the 20th century to what we have over in the States is our Oktoberfest beer. So it's a Marzen with an amber color using Munich and caramel malts for the color and the kind of sweet, full flavor. Actually, now, most of the time in Oktoberfest over in Munich, they have a much lighter beer, like a Helles. But still over in the States, and what you'll find all across the state of Ohio is a nice amber-colored beer with a nice sweet taste, and this is, I mean, this is spot on. This is a very mm -hmm. good Octoberfest yeah. beer yeah. by Mad Tree. Yeah, this is very, it's very, very well balanced. You get the, the malts up front and then, you know, the sweet finish a little bit, uh, but it's very good. Um, Ziegler, Zagler, as they say, over the pond. Uh, first mayor of Cincinnati and a uh, park in Over the Rhine. Whoa. Whoa. Where's this where's this at in over the Rhine? Uh it's like uh, I think like Washington Park. Oh, over there. Off off Washington off Park Washington a couple Park. blocks awesome. over. Someone who spent many a drunken night in OTR. I don't I mean, There's so many so many parks in Cincinnati. So many, parks. I don't know. so many parks in Cincinnati and so many good beers in Cincinnati. Headlines. With Greg. And now time for the OH headlines. The trade deadline is approaching in the MLB, coming up on Monday with Ohio's teams very much in the conversation. 
The Indians have rumored to have discussions about team cast-off Mike Clevenger as they look to fortify their offense in September. And the Reds, sitting right in between buyers and sellers, are looking whether or not to deal Trevor Bauer as they sit just four games back of the Cubs through Friday. Also approaching quickly, week one of the NFL just two weeks away as the Browns and the Bengals prepare for their matchups September 13th with the Ravens and Chargers respectively. Unfortunately for the Browns, the injury bug has hit hard, most notably with their defensive backs as cornerback Kevin Johnson suffered a lacerated liver last week and second round pick Grant Delpit was lost for the year after an Achilles injury. And finally, in the NBA, even though the Cavaliers are not a part of the M NBA bubble, they finally got some news about their future last week as the NFL or as the NBA draft revealed the Cavs had dropped unfortunately in the lottery and received the fifth overall pick. Draft boards have had the Cavs taking several players, but the three top ones are Israeli prospect power forward Denny Avicha, um, center from USC Onyeka Okongwu, and potentially Ohio favorite and Dayton star Obi Toppin. So it will be interesting to see who the Cavs take in just a few months with their fifth pick. And those guys are the OH headlines. It is now time for our first segment, the over and the under. This week we are doing over-unders on football futures as the NFL gets ramped up and ready to go here in the next couple weeks. We have over-unders of teams in Ohio, teams across the nation, all via the Action Network and Points Bet Sportsbook. So we're going to start in Ohio. We'll start with the number one overall pick and Josh's Cincinnati Bengals. Points Bet projects their over-under at just five and a half wins. Josh, are you taking the over? Or the under? I'm taking the over, Greg. Oh, um, even even if even if um, they don't have a winning record per se, I still think they get at least six wins. I mean, you you Ooh. definitely got m more weapons and an improved defense from last year. Um, the only thing that could wreck this is injuries um, to the defense, and if Joe Burrow dies behind uh, the offensive line, I'm predicting that that could very well happen. But I'm still going over. Zach, what about you? Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at like, yeah, I'm definitely going under. I'm saying like one or two wins, I think. One or this, two yeah, wins? Are you out of your mind? This schedule. Get out of my You're mind. You're going to tell me that Joe Burrow is going to do the same as the Bengals did last year. They don't have depth. Yeah, they had some improvements. That line is still terrible. Offensive line yes, wins football games. Still terrible. Wins football games. You're playing some serious defenses here. Yeah, some one-dimensional teams, but some teams with some damn good defenses. I don't think Joe Burrow's going to survive the year, to be honest. We'll see. Greg, we'll what see. do you we'll think? See. Yeah, Greg, um, what do you think? I'm also going to go under. Oh, and me. my biggest thought is learning from mistakes of the past. Last year, I was very bullish on the Browns. And they had a bad offensive line. And you saw it repeatedly wreck their games and wreck their drives by penalties or missed blocks or miscommunications. And that led the Browns to just six wins on a team that I thought was much more talented than this Bengals team. So I expect them to go under, maybe win more than two games, but five and a half is just too rich for my blood. 
I mean, they did improve the offensive line with Jonah Williams now that he'll be back, but still not a lot of depth there. Bobby Hart's still on that right Bobby side. Hart is still Bobby Hart somehow is still on, on that, that right side. side. Oh, my God. All right. Well, from the right side of the Bengals' offensive line to the right side, both literally and figuratively, of the state, to the Cleveland Browns, projected at eight and a half for their over-under. Zach, we'll start with you this time. Are you taking the over or the under? I'm going over. I'm going Whoa. nine wins. I'm going nine wins. Whoa. I like the Stefanski hire. I like that Baker slimmed down. He's not going to look as out of place in shirtless photos with his teammates now. Um, yeah, I think, you know, get that third-year bump. Yeah, we'll give you 9-7. Whoa, Josh, over to you. I'm actually going to go with the very same thing. I think they Whoa. get nine wins or nine or ten wins, and here's why. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, for those same reasons, I think that hire with Stefanski makes that locker room and that whole organization better as a whole. I think players are going to be happier, and I think there's not going to be what with you know COVID and restrictions and everything. There's not going to be as many distractions as yeah. there were last year. I think this will be a focused, healthy, positive team this year. Now, are you going under, Greg? They do have. You know, a coach with some any sense of competency. They've done some things on the offensive line. Uh, Jedrick Wills, of course, in the draft. Baker, all the offensive weapons. But some real question marks in the defensive backfield. Uh, you know, losing Grant Delpit for the year. Linebacker depth is questionable. And also, I'm a self-deprecating, self-hating Browns fan. And after some, after being very bullish on them last year. I think they should win nine or ten games, but they're going to lose two or three games inexplicably because of garbage and yuck and everything. We're talking to a sad man. We are talking to a sad man. And I'm Years just, of abuse. I'm going to be sad, very sad those days, and very self-hating during those podcasts. So I'm going to go seven or eight wins and... Whoa. I'm going to be the under guy. Oh, I'm wow. be the, the, You're going to be that guy today. The sad sack today. I'm oh. sorry, guys. So... I mean, I like I really do think and and I've said this before about the Browns, we all have, but like it seems like I love them but I hate them. <laughs> it seems like they're a at least mentally healthier, more mm. focused team this year. Now, the injury bug has been awful the past couple weeks for them, but but still, I like where this team's morale is better than I have in recent years. So, I'm surprised. I'm yeah, it's okay, buddy. It's all right. You can you can have a I'm little you can have a little yet. hope. It's all you get in Cleveland. It's just hope. Yeah. Believe land. Believe land, baby. I believe land that I'm going to get hurt again, and I'm ready (laughs) for it. Greg's not ready to be hurt again. Oh, I'm 100% ready to be hurt again. (laughs) Yeah, we'll see. One week after week one when Greg's going to be like, 15 and one, baby. I'm calling it 15 and one. (laughs) No comment. No comment. No comment. All right. So moving from... Josh and my teams over to Zach's team. We want to throw in the Packers here. Yeah, never get to talk get about some uh, get some shine for Zach's team. Points bet has the Packers over under at nine. Oh God! You know, as an owner, this frustrates me to oh no God. end. Uh, just the complete disregard for the greatness of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, I went off about the draft. No one saw me on Twitter uh, about not drafting wide receiver, but I think they've upgraded. They got a two-headed monster now. Anybody saw AJ Dillon? Not even Pats. He looked like he was wearing Pats. That guy's a beast. Um, yeah, I'm going. I think like looking at the schedule. I think 14 and two. 
14 and 2. We're calling 14 and 2, baby. 14 and 2. That could fall apart real quick, but I'm very confident. Glad, Glad to hear that. All right. Josh, what about you? Um, I don't know if I would put a bet on this one because um, they're they're nine even, right? They are nine even. Yeah, and, and that's about where I'd put them. Um, I I would maybe lean on the over here, but honestly, I think this would push at nine. I think the Packers would go nine, nine wins. Um, I could see them going to ten or eleven, but twelve and four minimum. That division is trickier than they uh. Than oh yeah, on, you know I Mitch think. Trubisky and the Mighty Bear. I'm really worried. We'll see. I, I'm gonna. You know what? I'm gonna hold you to that comment. And then when the <laughs> Packers and the Bears play, we'll, okay. we'll see. We'll see. Greg, Zach, he's gonna be a dick. You're out of your damn mind. No. You're out of your no, damn I'm mind. Not. I think the Vikings are a better team. Oh, don't get me. The, the Lions will be better, and no. I believe Rodgers is kind of right on pace for his every other year injury that's going to derail the season. I expect to see them eight and eight, seven and nine. Man, you guys never miss a chance just to just... Hey, you think Burnley. really 14 and 2? <laughs> Looking at this schedule... No, no. He called he called at New Orleans and at San Francisco toss-ups. Didn't they get, like, destroyed by yeah. the 49ers last year? And we made on adjustments on defense. Oh, and then you got beat by them again. You got slammed by them. I'm giving them the, uh, the 14 and 2. Those are the two losses. I went drop 12 and 4. Samuel oh, dropped go, one to Minnesota to and one other one. To go to our next one, I mean, mm. that you, there's just, and the reason I'm going to go under on this next one, too, is because there's just NFC, more NFC heavyweights than there are AFC, and I don't see the Packers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers competing with those NFC heavyweights. Greg, what's uh, we what don't they even got play on the any of the NFC heavyweights, really? The Buccaneers. Yeah, whatever. Tom Brady. Tampa, uh, Tampa, 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 Bay. Bra- Tampa Bay, is Tampa that what they're calling it? Ten Tampa wins. Ten win Tampa Bay. I'm actually going to go right there. Ten wins. Ten wins? Tampa Bay. I think that's a, that's a good number. They might have some ups and some downs, but they just have too much talent, and they have a guy who can go out and win games. So I expect to see you know some dog fights against the Saints, some tough out-of-division games, but... I think they'll be able to beat up on the Panthers and the Falcons and, and a few of the, the lower guys, and I think they'll get right to 10 wins. What yeah. About you, Josh? I, I'm torn on this one because their division, I think, is gives gives them a couple wins right there, um, easy wins. But I'm, I'm going to go with the under here just for, uh, for the value pick. This will be my value pick in this segment. I'm going to go with the under. Uh, I think they'll 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven for the Tampa Brady Buccaneers. Tampa Brady. All right, Zach, I'm very surprised and very interested to hear what you have to say. Your analysis has been spot on so far, so <laughs> and what my do analysis you have to say? Is spot on. Uh, I, I like to take outside things into play here, and I think, you know, I don't like Bruce Arians as a coach. That's true. Uh, some of the comments he's made, maybe they're professionals. Maybe it won't have anything to do with it. So, uh, but 10, 10 wins, and I'm going to go 9-7. Nine and seven, so I think he comes up just short. I think we're all kind of in that. I mean, I don't know. Nine, they could be, ten, but I still yeah. question the way Brady plays the last couple of years. Right. Does I don't. I don't think. Uh, I. I've still always been a believer. Combination of both. I still think Belichick kind of pushed him over. Yeah. So, which leads us to leads us to the no longer Tampa Brady team, the New England Patriots. New England Patriots points bet has also at nine wins. So, Zach, we'll start with you here. Nine wins for the Patriots. Cam Newton 
Bill Belichick and them boys? Uh, he says nine wins. Nine there? wins. <clears throat> I'm going to go right at nine wins, at least. Uh, yeah, I think um, if anybody can create an offense built around Cam Newton, kind of rehabilitate him, if you will, as a player, it'd be the Patriots. And, I mean, no one denies the talent that Cam Newton has at all. So if he can stay healthy, kind of build a little bit back up, that's a nine-win team. Yeah, um, I, I'm just going to go with the over here simply because if I don't, Bill Belichick will come for me and my family. <laughs> um, I, I'm i just not going to doubt Belichick here. The man gets it's hard. it done. It's, it's hard, hard to doubt Bill Belichick. I'm Nine, me, I, Patriots. Matt Castle, 11 wins. and 5. Right, exactly. <laughs> Matt exactly. Castle didn't even start in high school or college, or hadn't started can, since high school. Belichick can transform anything. I think Cam Newton's a better piece than Matt Castle. Oh yeah, like, they've yeah, still definitely. got they've still got plenty of pieces there. They'll get it done. So I'm gonna go under, and uh, I never take a chance to take a swipe at Bill Belichick. This well, former Browns <laughs> coach Bill Belichick, a lot of respect for him, but I think. Getting Cam back into the swing of things might be tough. Pretty much no weapons on that Patriot team. Never had any. Yeah, but you also, I mean. <laughs> I know. You had Gronk or something. You had one. Yeah. So you, I guess you have Edelman is their best. Yeah. Like, yeah. Don't like Sony Michelle. Um, you know, the guy they got out of Arizona State last year hasn't really shown a whole lot. And then they have a bunch of opt-outs that I think really, sh- you know, Marcus Cannon, their tackle. Uh, and, you know. Blocking for Cam is going to be important because he's been a guy that's caught the injury bug a lot lately. Yeah. Like yeah. that's been very shown. And then on their defense, they lose you know two of the three leaders on their defense in Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower. So the defense is going to be decimated. I think they're trying to put some stuff together. I think this might be kind of a one-year setback for the team. I expect them to be better in 2021. Can but we get I think a number? This is a team that goes six and ten. So okay, Ooh. all right. I can't wait till we'll follow up on all these. We're not one of those shows who makes predictions and then we're wrong. We don't bring them up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, these will come back around. We'll follow up. I, I'm very curious to see how that Packers thing plays out. Fourteen and two. Fourteen. And I two. was officially going twelve and four. Uh, oh yeah. So you've okay. already backed off. <laughs> no, he, I didn't. What I he, said, no, I, so I think they could go fourteen do and two. Is over the course of the next two weeks, he's going to give about seven different records. I'm going on the record now. Minimum twelve and four. <laughs> All right. All right. Minimum, minimum twelve, 12, 12 and, four. and four. At least we've got a range down. My <laughs> minimum is that you're insane. <laughs> you. Oh my God. Makes me question everything you. Let us know. know whether or not you think Zach's insane. Whether or not you think I'm too much of a self-deprecating Browns fan, and whether or not you think the Browns and the Bengals could actually be decent teams this year, let us know at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. As we mentioned earlier, trade deadline coming up just past the midway point in the season for most teams at least the teams that haven't had to deal with all the uh, COVID shenanigans and postponed games. So kind of a pivotal point in the season for both the Reds and the Indians. Uh, We'll start with the Reds. Talk to the Reds fan here, Josh. Reds right now sitting at third in the division, four games behind the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Josh, trade deadline coming up, uh, pivotal point for the Reds. 14 and 17 right now. What do you think they have to do for the rest of the season? 
you think they trade? Do you think they go for it, bring some guys up? I think I think they go for it as is right now. Um, they're sitting they're sitting one game back from the Cardinals, one game out of a playoff spot. Um, yeah, and the new playoffs, you know, top two teams from each division guaranteed. Right now, the Cardinals they had the COVID stuff, sitting at eleven and twelve. Reds tied with the Brewers at fourteen and seventeen. Yeah, and and with the expanded playoffs, you know, more it's. It makes it makes all the teams buyers rather than sellers, and you're more teams on the bubble like the Reds are more willing to just go for it, and rather than rather than trade Bauer away and have to deal with all of that, you know they just called up Jose Garcia, you know did did pretty well in his first game up here, um, taking chances on these younger guys. I think that's going to be a bigger payoff than it is making some trade right now um because there's not i don't think the market is good enough deal wise i don't think there's any matching deals for teams like the reds or the indians or for anyone for that matter um so for the reds you know keep calling up guys and keep you we've started to see the front office take over and designate guys now not accepting the mediocrity joey vado getting benched you know keep taking chances like that last year you called aristides aquino up and he hit those 14 home runs right out of the gate then fell off but, you know, it's almost like March Madness now where you as a team have to identify, all right, which, which kid's going to step up and get hot for a month because that's really all you need right now to make the push into the playoffs. Yeah, and, uh, you know, just as a note, top eight teams from each league getting in, so top two teams in each division and then two wild cards. Right now the Reds a game back in the wild card race and also a game back of St. Louis for second. Right now ESPN has them projected – had only a 30% chance to make the playoffs, but has the Brewers at 60% with the same record. So obviously some questions with the Reds' offense and, and what they've done so far. But as far as records up to this point go, definitely still in it, just a game back. Right. I mean, maybe if a deal comes along where you can ship an outfielder for a reliever on Monday, may, maybe. But I, I just don't see that deal coming along. The Reds do need a so much help in the bullpen and they could use another bat but i think at least hitting wise you can use your resources at the alternate site and what start do you do calling with some guys up that's a whole nother discussion that's a whole show that's all i yeah <laughs> i i think i think red's fandom needs to come to terms with some things there um and vado i think himself needs to come to terms with some things there because uh, you guys know i'm the biggest defender of vado out there oh yeah but but even I'm getting a little tired of hearing Vado say, I know I need to get better. This is on me. Like, great that you're taking responsibility in that and being the veteran on the team and acknowledging that. But, like, got to do it. I, I, like, it's like I understand that you know <laughs> that you need to get <laughs> you're better. You're aware because yeah. every time you walk up to bat, you can right. see that batting average in the When's scoreboard. When's it going to happen? Yeah. So just mentioning the rest of their season, um, this weekend playing Chicago, obviously, but they're they're – Schedule for the rest, you know, just a little bit more than a handful of series left, as we said, you know, in this shortened season. They got Chicago, St. Louis at Pittsburgh, and then at Chicago at St. Louis versus Pittsburgh. So definitely some winnable games in two four-game series versus Pittsburgh. Chicago has been a pretty solid team, and then St. Louis, you know, right at 500. Some pivotal games if you're going to try to pass them, and then two interleague series to end the year versus the Chicago White Sox, and then at the Minnesota Twins. Both those teams, we'll get to in a second, tied with the Indians for 
the lead in the AL Central. Those games I are going to be tough for the Reds. Just a prediction at just the Just asking end. for a little bit of help here, guy. <laughs> You're asking the Reds for help? Uh, <laughs> just to give a prediction for right now for the Reds. Not as much a record. I guess you could give a record, but do you expect come the end of September, what, last game, September 27th, do you expect to see the Reds playing some more baseball going into October, or do you see them sitting on the sidelines? Uh, my, the, that doesn't show a whole yeah, lot. No, no, I, no, right. I think we have our answer. Right, yeah. Um, my thing is, is I feel like they're going to need help that they're not going to get. Um, granted, they're only one game back right now, but they like if they keep playing the way that they have, like the Reds have only once under David Bell put together a winning streak of five games, only once, um, and they they're getting close. They're getting close. By the time of uh, this coming out, that they may have done that, um, but they've got to find the consistency and they've got to shore up the bullpen to get them to that spot and stay there. Like, I think the Reds could shoot into a playoff spot here, but it's staying there, capitalizing against the Pirates, winning a series against the Cardinals, and staying out of trouble against the Twins and the White Sox. It's, it's still a tall order for this team that's very inconsistent. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's get your thoughts real quick just on the Reds. Do you expect to see them in the playoffs, or, or do you expect to see them – Kind no, of on the outside no, looking no, at. no. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, jo- I mean, hey, all form to get in. Like I said, we need a little bit of help. It's a little bit from the Reds as an Indians fan, but I don't know. I don't. Yeah, the offense is worse. The bullpen, terrible, terrible. Nothing can kill a season like a bullpen can. Trust me, I've seen plenty of bad bullpens. Uh, and I don't. Yeah, I don't think you're gonna be able to upgrade. It's not. They don't need one arm. They need a whole revamp. So no. So. I, I don't know why I'm just feeling in this contrary mood, as we'll say, you know, uh, in the over and the under being the, the contrarian. Oh but God. I'm actually going to go... It's your ego is what it is. Well, prob- I mean, that's <laughs> definitely part of it. But taking a look at the teams that are ahead of the Reds, at least as far as wild card goes, you know, you have the Marlins, who are kind of an aberration right now, the Mets, who are a mess, and then, you know, in the division, you have the Cardinals, and... You look at some of these teams, especially the Marlins and the Cardinals, had some weeks off because of COVID, playing a lot of double headers, a lot of extra baseball. You wonder if that takes a toll on them, and they fall down. And honestly, the Brewers are right there, but from what I've seen out of the Brewers, their offense has not been able to show anything, and the Reds have at least shown some steps forward recently. And I expect, honestly, the offense to go pretty well if they can just not blow so many games with the bullpen. I don't expect them to be great, maybe around 500, maybe just a little bit above 500, but the Cardinals I expect to fall off a little bit. The Marlins I expect to see fall off a little bit. I don't know if it's a wild card or just barely in, but I would expect to see the Reds on the top half of the National League, which in this wild season is really all they need. I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. From a team that has a 30% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN, to a team 7-3 and three in their last 10, tied for the lead in the AL Central, Woo! currently with a 97.8% <laughs> chance to be part of the postseason. 
It's the Cleveland Indians. Zach, what, what? with the trade deadline coming yeah. up soon, you know, obviously some moves potentially being made, uh, some questions with, you know, Plesak, Clevenger, some of the young guys they brought right. up, Savali, Pluko, all them. What do you expect to see out of the Indians in coming weeks? Coming days, honestly. Coming days? Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> they're not going to make a move. They've been shedding um, payroll. They're not, you know, there's been talk of, you know, did they go go try to get J.D. Martinez? Nah. Nah. Not unless, you know, the uh, Red, Red Sox are going to pick up, like, the rest of his contract. Um, no, they're not They're not going to add a bat. They're not. They might, you know, Clevenger, they're asking for the whole farm system. Uh, for him, that's their. The Indians are happy, I think, with the roster they have, or at least as Antonetti makes it sound like, you know, we, there's no money, so we're gonna stick with what they got. Um, so, you know, I don't expect anything to happen. Uh, they did take two out of three from the Twins, um, which was a big. I think maybe they got over the hump. Maybe we're gonna see something. You know, they've uh, scored four, six, and fourteen runs in the last three games. Um, they have the pitching to do it. It's where the offense comes around. I'm still not sold on the offense, but I definitely think um, they're in the playoffs. Obviously, ESPN does as well. And um, yeah, and a, and a very favorable schedule. Oh, very favorable. Up soon, you know? Yeah, they got still seven games against the lowly Kansas City Royals, three games against Pittsburgh, and then also four games against kind of a little bit of a feisty but an up and down Detroit. Detroit, team. exactly. So so certainly, mean, a lot of series to win. Only three games against the Twins left, and. Uh, four games against the White Sox, two games against the Cubs. So, you know, only a little bit more than a handful of games against real potential playoff teams. Right. So, no, yeah, I think, uh, you know, probably see a second-round exit in the playoffs. That was my guess. <laughs> Very hopeful on you on I, your I, end. The offense isn't there, man. They don't they, – the, the offense isn't yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, talk, talking trade-wise for the Indians, like I said with the Reds, if a deal were to come around, for the Indians, if a deal were to come around – to maybe like snag an outfielder for a pitcher, <sighs> be great. You know, like need an outfielder. Like I was thinking, I was thinking like maybe like an Indians Braves trade or something like that. Like you know, like a team that has a lot of yeah okay hitters that are better than what you have because the Indians outfield hitting wise yeah. right now is atrocious. Well, what's been floated around and maybe the only deal I could see coming around is the Yankees need pitching and uh, one of the players the Indians traded um, for Miller. Andrew Miller, when they got him from the Yankees, was uh, Clint Frazier. It was down to Clint Frazier, Bradley Zimmer. They were both their top prospects, both outfielders. Uh, whether they made the right decision, or not, I don't know. They decided to hold on to Zimmer, and we all seen how that's worked out. Uh, Frazier's over there in New York, and he's got nowhere to play because they have yeah, so but many he's outfielders. Hitting the ball well when he, he's got his chance. If he has consistent at-bats and probably less pressure, so I, that could be a deal, bring Frazier back. Um, just yeah. things like that. Like if they come along on Monday, yeah. I, I would probably they jump on it. They could make something like that. I, would, I would jump on it more the Indians than I would like an if trade if it comes along trade for the Reds. Mm. But yeah, I mean the Indians, you know, I think win the division. Um, it's the fingers crossed. I don't know the yeah, Twins. It's a possibility the, the Twins are tough. Like I said, but, we need your help. But you got to take advantage of that schedule. Though. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Pittsburgh. Chicago. Don't ask for our help. You got the easy schedule. Yeah, a bunch of games versus. Well, the not the Chicago. Royals. Chicago be tough, but yeah, yeah. The Royals, uh, up and down Tigers. You know, the Cubbies swept the first two games. So you know, and that, that's what be, separates the Reds from the Indians here. Be struggle, sure, the Indians could use the Reds' help, but the Indians can control their own destiny. Basically. Oh no, you're right. Yeah, I mean, the so, schedule's laid out for them. Yeah. Josh, what are your uh, what are your expectations? Where do you think the the Indians? End um, up this year? I. I'm, 
I don't know if second round exit. It depends on who all they get and how it's it's so difficult to say where because the Indians are definitely making the playoffs and it's so hard to predict where a team exits this year with the expanded field. Yeah. And just because the seating could change so dramatically by the time we get there. I don't know, a second round exit. I've got a little more <laughs> faith in them than that, but... I appreciate that, but, but I, I think I'm taking a Greggy Brown's point of view here. I've been disappointed for three years in a yeah, row. I just don't I, know. I still <laughs> think the thing that's going to kill them is they just they like the Reds are a team that could get hot because they have players that are capable of that explosiveness on yeah. offense. But the Indians that that a handful, but that yeah. what was it third worst slugging percentage yeah. in the in it's the, bad in baseball. Like they there's just literally nobody no, in the outfield. There's no pop in that lineup. No. Yeah, I think. My thought is I think I'm kind of between second and third round, and I think it, it just comes down to matchups. I think, yeah, honestly, yeah, yeah, that's fair. the Yankees, I feel like they match up with well because you get to play in that little league ballpark. The Indians or the uh, Yankees pitchers aside of Cole have been very up and down. Yeah. So, you know, slugging percentage maybe a little bit smaller of a ballpark, a few things bounce their way. But if they face a team like the Rays that has some great pitching – a few guys that can, you know, get some hits. If they, you know, if the Indians' offense goes stagnant, or you know, one of the guys, you know, Clevenger or Carrasco or something, kind of has a rough game, yeah, that could take them out quickly. And I think that's one of the things the Indians, at their best, could definitely be a World Series team. But we just haven't seen it out of the offense on a consistent enough basis. And you know. In the playoffs, anything can happen. One bad game for a pitcher, someone gets hurt or something, and then you're kind of in a lot of trouble. Because the Indians definitely have the pitching on their best day and have some guys that can change the game on offense, but who knows if they show up or not. That's the question. And that's the question we ask you at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Where do you think the Reds and the Indian season will end up? Do you think it'll end up in them missing the playoffs? Do you think they'll just squeak in and lose in the the first round or maybe do you see an all ohio world series let us know <laughs> oh my god on facebook twitter <laughs> and instagram all the hot takes flying but now zach's reciting the ziegler oktoberfest lager we're all winners with this smooth malty and easy drinking oktoberfest lager ziegler is named after a cincinnati park and a past mayor. Shout out to Mad Tree and Ziegler for this wonderful Oktoberfest lager. It is fantastic. Uh, the I've can is the can is very. At first glance, the can is very uh, simple. What with the uh, Bavarian diamonds and whatnot. But then, if you you look in there a little bit, and it's a bunch of happy trees drinking <laughs> mugs of beer. Uh, we got some bratwurst on there too. There's a lot of detail in there the tree at Mad Tree. I could just stare at this for hours. Yeah, you, you can get lost in the tree at Mad Tree. And it says, beer or beer, prost or cheers. Let's all toast to healthy years. If you've never been to Mad Tree, one of my favorite breweries to go to, though. Like a good pizza, just a really cool atmosphere, indoor, outdoor. Um, obviously, probably a little different with everything going on, but fun place to go. Good place, yeah. Yeah, if you like, I mean... Fun breweries with good beer and good food, Mad Tree, on Madison Road in Cincinnati, definitely worth a look. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the bigger ones down in Cincinnati and in the state. Um, we've kind of hit the two 
Cincinnati Giants here recently with Ryan Geist and Mad Tree. Mad Tree been around since 2013, and yeah, that new space they got down there in Oakley is fantastic. What's brewing, Ohio? Uh, we'll get into uh, some Oktoberfest stuff as we move through Oktoberfest, but this week, uh, pretty much two two main stories this week are uh, you'll start seeing them in stores and at breweries. The Raise a Glass to Democracy campaign. Uh, these are cans of beer across Ohio that will have like a red, white, and blue. You, you'll definitely be able to notice it, trust That's me. That's the USA's colors. Yeah, that is oh. the USA's colors. Thank you. <laughs> I uh, it's France. Well, that too. That too. <laughs> that too. Um, the UK. So this was a campaign started by the Ohio Secretary Australia. of State, Frank LaRose, who is currently being sued by Kanye West. Whoa. Oh. Um, whole other story. Is he giving it his Kanye best? I think he is. <laughs> Hopefully they're not working on Sundays so he can get his Kanye rest. <laughs> hey, you better get your pen and paper because after this we'll have a Kanye test. <laughs> Uh, I regret throwing that in there now. Uh, but basically, these can labels that were designed by Rheingeist, uh, they have a bunch of voting information on there. They have the visitvoteohio.gov website on there and remind you to register to vote by October 5th. Ohio, you're doing a great job, by the way. 8 million out of our 11.5 million Ohioans are registered to vote. Is that 11.5 that are like able to vote, or is it like... I'm not sure. That, that, that oh doesn't goodness. add up. How does that not add up? You're saying there's only, like, yeah, there's 11 and a half million people here, right, roughly. And you're saying only 3 million are children under, well, I guess maybe that adds up. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. I'm a moron. I'm a moron. Math. Math is hard. So that's going on right now. I'll be <laughs> looking for those cans and be sure to register to vote. Uh, the other cool story in Ohio beer oh, really? is we've got Les the Beer Guy, uh, who, if you're a Cleveland Indians Cleveland. fan, you'll know who I'm talking about from his, uh, his yells throughout the stadium for cold beer here. Oh, and definitely. the Jolly Scholar Brewery is created a cold beer here. Beer. Um, it's basically got like this illustration of Les the Beer Guy on there. Um, it's kind of all based around him, and uh, he was doing deliveries of this beer since you can't get beer from him at the stadium this year. And uh, the demand for it has been so high uh, that they're actually going to be moving this to stores with the help of a brewery we've had on the show, Sibling Revelry Brewery. Oh, nice. is helping them produce 16-ounce can packages. Uh, so very highly anticipated up there in the Cleveland area. They'll be hitting stores early September. Uh, you can't miss the can. It'll be a 16-ounce can with less the beer guy on there. Um, awesome stuff. I'd love to try this beer if you're a Cleveland Road Indians. trip. If you're an Indians fan and are a regular at the Progressive Field up there. The I'm Jake, sure Josh, a, the Jake. Excuse the me. The Prague. The Prague. <sighs> when in Prague. Uh, but yeah, yeah, look for those beers out there. Look for the uh, Ohio Vote beers. Make sure you're registered to vote, and uh, we'll get into some Oktoberfest news next week. It is the worst of the worst. As we show what is really struggling, what's not going well in Ohio, what's the worst of the worst. And today we're focusing in on the MLB in Ohio, and more specifically, hitting in Ohio. Both the Reds and the Indians have struggled. It's not been pretty at times. The pitching has kept these two teams afloat, but uh, so far this season, as far as hitting goes, Josh, 
what has been the worst of the worst for you? Uh, hitting's been pretty not great for either team. Um, the Reds have at least like found some pop lately. For a minute, uh, we were talking earlier in the week when we were making this segment. The Reds were very near dipping under 200 for a league worst. Um, they're now up to 216 after Whoa. a couple days of some great hitting. Uh, still tied for the second worst in the league. Uh, so still not great. 216 average is not going to get it done, and that's why you see the Reds not playing the baseball we thought they would be. Yeah, and just to highlight a few guys on the Reds that have really been struggling, uh, you know, two of the hitters that you expect to really kind of carry water for the team, obviously, though he's getting older, you know, the highest paid Red and Joey Votto hitting 191 with a negative 0.8 war. That's wins above replacement. So basically worse than what would be a a 4A player at this point. Uh, You know, did not play on Thursday in the doubleheader win over the Brewers and not playing either game. Also, um, you know, one of the guys that provided a lot of pop for the offense last year, Eugenio Suarez, um, through Friday was hitting 190, and he had 20 hits and 30 strikeouts. So lots of struggling for the red legs. Going from the Reds to the Indians, Zach, what has been the worst for you? I mean, the hitting, um, obviously kind of like a – Day after they uh, they put the beat down on the cards, uh, yes, last night. Um, so that you know they're up to twenty fourth, but literally up to a week ago, it was them and the Pirates fighting for who could be the worst hitting team at thirtieth. Um, yeah, I mean if you look at it, the Indians, really had a average, you know, league average offense. They would be probably running away with the division right now. That's the frustrating part. Yeah, and through Friday, um, they're in a three-way tie with the uh, Twins and the so White So it could Sox. be worse, you know, 20 and 12, can't hate. But, um, yeah, the offense been atrocious. You know, your typical guys, uh, Lindor hitting 267, uh, J-Ram hot there for a little bit, but he's fallen way off, 248. Uh, and then really the big, the only, I guess you'd say surprise or – Positive has been Fran Mel Reyes, who's basically carried this team. He's hit a nice 307. Um, everybody else, though, going down the list is, you know, not even at the Mendoza line. Yeah, and the one uh, spot that I was really surprised, and I, I looked at these Friday night before the stats for the Friday game, obviously kind of a slump buster for, for some of those players. Yeah. You know, Sandy Leon got a couple hits. But through Thursday, the Indians catchers were 9 for 93, <laughs> which is a point. 0.97 batting average. I mean, I'm not bragging. I just strikeouts. know for a fact by went up hacking, I probably could get like 10 or 11 hits and 93 at bats. So, uh, you know, in there you have Sandy Leon, who's batting 119 with 10 strikeouts and 41 at bats. Perez, who's at that 0.97 mark, 14 strikeouts and 34 at bats. And then Bo Taylor, who is 1 for 21 with 9 strikeouts. So it's one of those things, if you can. You basically have a shirt out in the middle of the lineup. I mean, well, bottom of the lineup. Well, yeah, somewhere in the lineup, I yeah. guess. But you know, you look at it like national teams of of old. You know, that's about what hit. You know, pitchers are hitting. So I mean, the, you know, the, you the catchers. Sure out. The catching hasn't hit. I'm not really down on the Indians catching. They're they've always been. I mean, Bebo probably the best defensive catcher in baseball. We'll take that. Bo Taylor is also one of the best defensive catchers in the minors. Um, he's probably up a little early. That had to do with Bebo was hurt. So they had to bring him up and Leon had to go home. Um, I mean, oh, it's atrocious though. I mean, you at least think 
200, right? Out of the position. It's yeah. bad, but... I mean, I mean, Greg, you brought up, like, just having outs in the middle of the lineup. I think that's what's killing both teams. Yeah. They've just had outs. Just, you've, you've got guys that are barely hitting 100 in the middle of the lineup, mm -hmm. yeah, or I in mean, the Reds' case, leading off the lineup. Yeah. And, I mean, at least for the Reds recently, like, you brought up Suarez. He has four home runs in his last six games. At least the Reds are starting to get some pop. Yeah, Suarez back. was hitting below 100 for about the first month of the season. Yeah, I mean... The Reds, the red slugging percentage is, is middle of the league. It's it's the Indians that have at least had some consistency at times and can get hits. Yeah. The Indians have the third worst slugging percentage in oh, the league. It's, the it's, Indians can't have can't find any explosiveness. It's banjo in that hitting all over. Yeah. It, it is a it's like the old uh, mid two thousands Indians yeah. where you just had single, single, double play. You know. Yeah, and out. then it you see like, when can't they, manufacture anything. When they find that power, they really find that power. It's like. Two runs, two runs, yeah. nine runs, two runs, two runs, 14 runs, yeah, right. one I mean, run, right. 10 runs. You know, they can't so. seem to find any consistency, and I think the, what the Reds are doing now, I mean, I know Saturday today we're recording for the doubleheader, Joey Vade was back in the lineup, but they took him out for those three games. They called up Jose Garcia, and all of a sudden, instead of, instead of having that out or that walk in the middle of the lineup, now you have an actual hitter in the lineup. And I think yeah. for both the Reds and the Indians, they've got to look at their farm systems and start taking chances. Well, I guys. think so, too. Kind of a similar situation. Carlos Santana's kind of been like that for the Indians. He leads the league and walks. He has a right. 414 OBP, but then he has, he's been hitting a little bit of late. These guys average up to 229, but for most of the year, it was hitting like 150. Some of these guys, yeah, that are hitting, you know, 150, you know, sub 200 averages. Yeah. It's just like at this point in the season, we're halfway through. It's getting crunch time. You know, Indians are tied for the division, Reds are just trying to still make the playoffs. It's time to start calling up guys and at least taking chances on a new guy that these pitchers haven't seen before. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, as this Oktoberfest season, whether or not it turns, it stays the worst of the worst. The or, worst. The worst. Or whether or not this can turn around, you know. With this shortened season, already halfway through, so not much time left to kind of turn things around. Be interesting to see if the Reds and the Tribe can turn things around and have their season continue not just into Oktoberfest, but October actually as the playoffs are coming up soon here in baseball. See what you did there? That was nice. That was nice. The NFL getting started here in just two weeks, September 13th, Game 1. Browns versus Ravens, Bengals versus Chargers. We're going to give you a little off-season roundup to get you set and ready to go as the NFL is back in just two weeks. We're going to start, Zach. Yeah, baby. With my Cleveland Browns. Pew, pew, pew. Cleveland Browns, of course. Bunch of turnover this season, as really is every season. Mm. New general manager and Andrew Barry. New coach, Kevin Stefanski, coming over from Minnesota. Browns are getting ramped up and ready for their first game. Unfortunately, the big problem for the Browns so far has been defensive back injuries. As we mentioned in the headlines, second-round pick and what a lot of Browns writers have been calling the steal of the draft, LSU safety, Grant Delprit, lost for the year with an Achilles injury kind of during a, a walkthrough period, went down. Achilles injury out for the year mm. uh, and kind of a scarier injury that 
was, you know, very tough at first, but looks like he could be back soon doing some individual drills right now. Cornerback Kevin Johnson uh, could be back week two or three after suffering a lacerated liver, which sounds terrible. Oh, my God. Other defensive backs out Friday were uh, last year's second-round pick, Andres Greedy Williams, Terrence Money Mitchell, and uh, MJ Stewart Jr. So That's a lot great of names. issues on the defensive backs. Uh, you've seen it during practice. They've had uh, Tenzo Ward kind of in bubble tape and then sending out, you know, their eighth, ninth, tenth corners out there, some, uh, some late-round draft picks and some uh, undrafted free agents. Uh, also in the injury bug, uh, linebacker Mac Wilson uh, was kind of in a doghouse after uh, giving Nick Chubb a concussion. Chubb is back, but Mac Wilson a couple days later hyperextended his knee with uh, some thin linebacking depth. So could be an issue. He'll be out for a few weeks. Uh, is he getting the surgery or no? No, no, he, no surgery. But he he should be back after a few weeks in the season. So uh, not quite as bad as they originally thought with a knee injury. Also with a knee injury, center J.C. Treader has been out a couple weeks after getting his knee scoped. Hopefully ready for the season. But they've had some you know some young guys get some work at center. A little bit of an issue for the offensive line. Uh, defensive line has looked great. Defense has actually looked. Very good, even with all of the injuries. Um, one of the bigger names in the opt-outs, uh, Andrew Billings coming over from the Bengals and Drew Forbes. But uh, Brown's looking to have a good season. Um, you guys were more bullish on them and I, as I, than I was because I'm just a sad sack of a Browns fan. Uh, week one, Ravens. Then a quick turnaround, as we mentioned, Thursday night football, week two, versus the Bengals. Uh, to mention any big... Stretches for them. Uh, if the Browns are going to be good and the Browns are going to have a over eight and a half win season, November's probably the place that they're going to do it. Uh, November, five weeks. Uh, first one home versus the Vegas, the Las Vegas Raiders now. Um, right. A bye week. Home versus the Texans, who no longer have DeAndre Hopkins. Home versus the Eagles, so three home games in four weeks. And then at Jacksonville, who is right now, uh, per the over-under, slated to be the worst team in the league. Uh, probably need to go 3-1 and one in that stretch with how tough the division is. Zach, giving yep. all these thoughts, some defensive back injuries, some linebacking injuries, what are your expectations for the Browns this year? Um, for the Browns, you know, one I want to say, besides the Ravens, not bought on the rest, of, not still on the rest of the division. So I think the Browns are definitely the second best team in that division. Uh, I like the talent. Um, you know, like I said, I think what I say they definitely nine seven, maybe ten wins. Um, I definitely think you're going to see renewed Baker Mayfield. I mean, the offense shored up the offensive line. Uh, right, Willis. I like the, the pieces. First over or the first round draft pick also picked up uh, Jack Conklin, who was in Tennessee, who was blocking for Derrick Henry last year. Exactly. Uh, um, also, big tight end depth was kind of an issue last year, so they picked up Austin Hooper from the Falcons, and also uh, picked Harrison Bryant in the draft. So definitely a lot of offensive weapons. I even like the uh, I like the, the Donovan Peoples-Jones pick. I like that pick. He's I think been, He's been good. He's, um, you know, as much as I hate that school, uh, he, um, <laughs> look who he played with. Him. That's why he yeah. fell to the sixth round. He played with me, basically, back there Spade trying to get him the ball. Patterson. Yeah, so um, I, I think that's... He could turn out to be a nice, solid pick there. Um, Play of the day on Friday was actually a deep ball from Case Keenum to uh, Peoples-Jones, able to get behind yeah. the defense. A good guy. You, Plus, honestly, I like the Case Keenum thing. 
I like that pickup. Obviously, it's a backup. We don't talk about that enough. Um, if you know Mayfield were to get hurt or go down for a game or two, Keenum's proven that he can win in the NFL at times. So he's a guy who could step in. And I think you're you're underrating one part even of the Keenum. Where was his most success? Right, under Stefanski and Minnesota. Stefanski I agree. Minnesota. I agree. Yep. You're yeah. right. And the defense I, has some nice pieces. Obviously, got Miles Garrett. He'll be back. Uh, I like Olivier Vernon. Um, the secondary, I like Carl Joseph. That's solid. Yeah, Joseph's been in and out. You got some young corners. Some young players year. there. Uh, Sandejo is now taking over mm-hmm. the spot. Uh, you know, still, I know. Still uh, probably short on the depth a little bit, yeah. but they're getting there. Defensive coordinator Joe Woods was saying early. Or, you know, after Delpit went down, that's kind of a shame because he was looking to have Delpit kind of be a guy, you know, all over the field, kind mm-hmm. of like one of your safety linebacker hybrids. But they picked up some defensive depth. And if they can just avoid the injury bug a little bit, they could be pretty solid, Josh. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, the injuries, because like you said, Zach, the, the depth is a little shaky right now because they've had the injuries that they've already had in camp. Um, but the offense is just, I don't think, the Browns' improved offense is being talked about enough, no. uh, especially with the sharing of the of the offensive line. I mean, that's going to give Chubb space and Cream Hunt. Yeah, yeah and Cream people Hunt. are freaking he's there. Yeah. Cream Hunt has come, you know, after having the the suspension last right. year, has had a chance to kind of get ready, get with the team from you know the word go. And from all that I've heard, he's come in kind of renewed, in better shape, and, and kind of ready to hopefully get back to the old. Uh, Nick Chubb. I mean, Chubb, Chubb was... Or the old cream hunt, I'm But Chubb is already a guy that, I mean, could create space on his own and now giving him that extra push with the offensive line, plus a weapon like Austin Hooper. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, those those are those are big additions there to the offensive line, and that that's going to be tough. It's, it's, it's the injuries on defense and whether they can stay healthy there and have the depth there, have the rotation there on defense... Uh, especially in the secondary, that's that's the quest, the big question mark for me. But I still, like you said, Zach, I mean, this division is much more of a toss-up than it traditionally is, uh, and I like the Browns' chances to go nine, ten wins. Yeah, maybe see the playoffs for the first maybe time see since two thousand two. Oh, Kelly Holcomb, baby, <laughs> Kelly Holcomb. All right, going from Northeast Ohio to their week two opponents, as we mentioned. Uh, Josh is Cincinnati Bengals. Josh, what's going on in Cincinnati? Obviously, the uh, notable addition, quarterback Joe Burrow, first overall pick. What else has been going on in Cincinnati? Yeah, so you've got Joe Burrow. Obviously, everyone's excited about that. Um, A.J. Green has been kind of off and on, and that's been the biggest question mark. But mostly out of that, what we've seen, though, is that Joe Burrow's in practice and in their, in their, in their drills and everything, been able to light it up without A.J. Green, without John Ross. Um, Auden Tate has looked good and looked consistent. Tyler Boyd is still there. I, the league sleeps on Tyler Boyd, really does. I mean, past couple seasons, a thousand yards. I don't see, and that's without Green right. there. If you get Green into the lineup and you get some consistency out of Auden Tate, then Tyler Boyd. I mean, you have to pick someone. Who are you going to double? If they're all healthy, who are you going to double cover there? Green yeah. or Boyd? Um, but whether they still stay healthy remains to be seen. Um, the big question, like we talked about earlier in the show, is the offensive line. But honestly, you know, Jonah Williams is finally going to play. First-round pick from two years ago. Um, Mike Jordan has been reportedly very 
very improved. Um, some saying he's the most improved guy on the team. Um, you know, Williams has looked good. Uh, I've seen a couple videos of Williams going up against uh, Zach Hubbard. Those have been great matchups to watch in Sam camp. Hubbard. Sam Hubbard, excuse me. Um, and then we've still got one guy out, uh, Zach's cousin, Alex Redmond. Um, so <laughs> he's yet to practice Not yet. Not the right cousin, but yeah. <laughs> he's, he's yet to practice yet, and uh, he could be an addition in there at least for some depth. So I don't think the offensive line is as bad. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm saying it's improved from last year. My biggest worry is, I mean, thankfully, they got Billy Price out of there because he has been yeah. a, yeah. Uh, Mike Jordan, I, I like what I saw. Obviously, Jonah Williams, probably a help. Trey Hopkins, okay, but my big question is the right side. Uh, Xavier Suofilo coming over from the Texans. Was a tackle, now playing guard, was awful. Bobby Hart, awful. So you're interested to see if people can get rushed from the right side, even though it's you know not Burrow's blind side. still could be an issue with a quarterback that, you know, Game still has to slow down for him a little bit. I really do like some of the offensive weapons that they have. I, I like the T. Higgins pick a whole lot, but the one thing that I said, you know, during our, our over-unders is what I saw with the Browns last year is it doesn't matter how many weapons you have. If you can't block and you can't give your quarterback enough time to even sort of make plays, could be an issue. And another thing is, you know, a safety valve for a quarterback is his tight ends and – you know, I know, you know, they they lost some tight ends to free agency, you know, but never really had a solid tight end. Right now their top two are second-round pick last year, Drew Sample and uh, C.J. Uzama. Uzama's shown some. Sample really didn't show a whole lot last year. I'm worried that they're just not going to get anything out of the tight end spot, and that's another one of the safety valves. And when you don't have your safety valves working, as Browns did last year when Njoku got hurt, and you don't have the offensive line, it could lead to some I would, tough games. I would disagree with you on that, actually. Um, CJ Uzama, Ooh. say what you will about him. Um, and a lot of Bengals fans are down on Drew Sample just because that's not the pick we wanted last uh, two years ago or last year. Um, but Drew Sample is, is a blocking tight end. Um, but the one thing that people have been saying, coaches have been saying he's improved upon this year is quick hands. So I think Drew Sample be, could be your, your third and short tight end, um, and that, uh, that does well for the Bengals' offense, I think. And you also have to remember the Bengals have had a lot of great additions on defense. Um, unfortunately, like it really sucks that Trey Waynes got hurt and is going to be going in for surgery and probably miss a, a very sizable portion of the year. He might come back at the end, but that $42 million signing is a huge blow losing him. Um, you still got um, Von Bell um, and Sean Williams at safety. Um, the cornerback position is looking interesting right now. You've got William Jackson the third, but yeah, with Trey Wayne's hurt, uh, Mackenzie Alexander stepping up and making a big pick. And then on the line, um, you really don't have a true nose tackle right now. Um, so that could that could really hurt. And that's some people say that it's an old line. It is. It is a very line. old line. <laughs> Carlos Dunlap and. Geno Atkins are old. And then the other thing is but, uh, you don't have – the one thing that everyone talked about last year with the Bengals was the inability for the linebackers to get downhill and make tackles. The linebackers – the one thing that I noticed watching what Bengals games I did last year were how slow the linebackers were. And you could see that against one of the most prolific 
quarterbacks running wise, Lamar Jackson, he made the Bengals look silly every yeah. time. Yeah. And I don't see a whole lot of well, that's upgrades been, that they've had. Well, they've, they've made some upgrades there. I mean, they've got uh, Josh Bynes coming in. Um, they've got Jermaine Pratt still there, could step up. You've got you've got a much younger group. Uh, Josh Bynes is the oldest of those group. Otherwise, you don't have a guy on that line that's played more than four years. So you're definitely quick. If anything else, you're definitely quicker at linebacker. The defensive line is the the question mark for me. My point with Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlop being old is they really haven't taken a, a step off. Like, I know they're getting old, but they really haven't dropped off at all. The big thing is that nose tackle for me. Uh, Renel Wren, uh, he's out for the year after a huge, uh, after terrible injury. And then Josh Tupo opted out. Yeah. Um, so those were you really two true nose tackles. So then you get into the whole thing with you're going to have to start moving guys around on the line, and that's when things get messy and have traditionally gotten messy for both the defensive and offensive line for the Bengals. But it's a, it's a work in progress. It's, it's definitely gotta, a work in is, progress. Uh, it yeah, helps I mean, it First helps thing the I Bengals do, and I'm looking at either of these teams, is why don't, I'm cutting off the starters. I'm looking right here where we at second – the third string it, and the depth. It really helps seen both in the NFL teams and that they have the expanded practice squads this year. And yeah. They have a lot of, at least for the Bengals, they have a lot of young guys that they can get in and out of there. For both the Bengals and the Browns, though, it's all like you, you're going to have to stay healthy. Yeah, you're going to have yeah. to stay That's going to be hard. Especially at certain, there's certain position groups where, you know, for the both these also, teams, you can't lose somebody. The Bengals also, some people will discredit this. I will not, though. You, there is no substitution for actually being out on the grid in between the lines and the Bengals have a lot of rookies and, and that, a lot yeah, of young guys and with no preseason thing, that is that's killer difficult that's killer that worries me. me about both teams because you look at the Bengals they have a lot of rookies especially you know Joe I mean Joe Burrow I think you know obviously was the number one pick was the right pick for the Bengals you know no yeah. question about that but it's just you know Watching a ton of court as someone that's watched a ton of first round draft picks <laughs> play quarterback, it takes time for them, you know, to kind of slow things down. And without even any sort of, you know, preseason or scrimmages, it's definitely going to be tough for them to to acclimate. And you know, there could be some bumps in the road. And then the other thing is, it's just you know, both of these teams. Just looking at stats last year, Browns gave up, you know. One, because of a lot of turnovers, gave up almost 25 points a game. Bengals gave up more than 26 points a game. And you just wonder, the defense should be improved, but you wonder by how much. And it's just a question of, if teams start scoring a lot, you just wonder how much Burrow will be able to keep up with them right. and not make mistakes. Because it's not that Burrow can't be a very good quarterback in a year or two, but it's very tough to see a lot of success out of a rookie quarterback. I mean, you've seen it countless times. You know, I mean, obviously Peyton Manning's the most you know notable one, but a lot of teams just your first year you're going to take some lumps, especially in a weird year like this. David you Carr, don't have right? The, you don't have. The I wouldn't jump off your up. point. That's my big concern with Burrow. I honestly would like them to go ahead and start Finley. You're out of your mind. That's All right, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell mind. you why. I'm going to make this argument. I'm a big believer anytime you draft a quarterback, he needs to sit for a while. Big believer, and I'll tell you why. As, again, an owner of an NFL team, oh. um, you know, we had, you know, Brett Favre sat, Aaron Rodgers sat, and they jumped right in. You saw, uh, look at Patty Mahomes. 
sat a couple of years, learned. Sat a year. All right, a year. I'm sorry. A year. I'm not saying all. I'm not even saying the whole year. I'm just saying with no preseason, no idea. I mean, he has an idea, and he's a smart kid, and I have no doubt. He'll probably get through it. Like you point out, Peyton Manning did. He took a ton of lumps, and he got through it. But I'm not a big believer in you just throw a kid right out there. I think I think Burrow has shown. I hate using this term. No, a you, high football IQ. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, you Tim so, Tebow had a high football so winner. The one thing that, he, I, the one that I will say about quarterbacks that have uh, sat, the only thing that I think they really need is a solid veteran to help them figure it out, and that's the one thing that I. The Bengals don't have. If Dalton was still there, I would say. Well, and to your point, to to both your points, I mean, we're talking about we're talking about getting reps on the field in real game situations. I'm not saying the whole time. I'm just saying, give him a few weeks. Is he really getting the experience? Like, no, I mean, like I'm a believer in freedom. I get why they're doing it. I get why they're doing. I'm just saying, if I'm running this organization, we're investing a lot of money in this kid. I that's my point. I I shouldn't have said they should go ahead and throw Ryan Finley. I guess my point was they should have signed a veteran. To go ahead and take some lumps See, for a few weeks. That might be I guess would have been my point. The one thing that you have to realize is with Rodgers, he was sitting on the sideline watching Favre run the offense. No, Pat yeah. Holmes was watching Alex Smith, which you can say was ran no, the offense solid. very well. He's a solid player. No, I agree. That's my point. I agree. Uh, I, they should have signed a veteran, I guess, is my they point. Did. They did. So would you Brandon rather, Allen? Yeah. Don't, would you don't, don't know. You, you know said, what you I just meant. Said. <laughs> you know what I mean by like a legitimate solid like veteran. The, like the Dolphins have Fitzmagic. That's my there. point. Like a Fitzpatrick. Someone No, you know what I mean. Don't Famous Jamin. Don't bring that shit in here, Josh. <laughs> you know what I meant. I'm just saying Joe Burrow has showed that he he can do it. I think sitting him would be a step backward for him. No, especially going with Ryan. No, that's never proven to be a step backward. No player's been worse because they had to sit a year and learn. That's I think the only thing is absurd. In this situation, yeah, I guess I would I would start him because you're not going to learn anything behind Brandon. No, I agree with what they have. I I get it. I get it. I'm just saying. I think the the Bengals made a mistake. But I will say the one thing that is nice is we'll see who's right in five years. Imagine (laughs) a rookie quarterback week two. Only having three days to prepare for Olivier Vernon Miles and Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yeah. Excited to see that. Week two, 40 bet. You heard it here first. Browns, Bengals. Josh's face right now. He's going to drink another Josh. 40. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm Josh. confident. I'm oh, he's confident? All right. Josh, Talking to a guy that wants to throw Ryan Friendly in front of Joe Burrow. Oh, you oh, know what it. I meant. All right. Get out of here. Get I think here. we need to have uh, a 30 rack night. Get some pictures. Get some social media out here. Absolutely. All of us. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll watch the game. Watch you guys over. We'll watch the game. We'll watch the game here. We'll, I'll try not to piss off my neighbors by screaming and. Uh, yeah, they're probably excited. Excitability. <laughs> Football season's almost back. Football. Let's go brownies. All righty. Well, thank you for listening to this edition. This. First Oktoberfest edition of 30 Rack of Sports. We're going to be putting out some content here in the next couple of weeks. Oktoberfest getting ramped up. Uh, baseball getting ramped up close to the playoffs and the NFL starting. So a lot of good content coming up. Be sure to uh, stay with us at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're going to wrap up this show getting into our shout-outs of the last couple of weeks. A lot of great stuff happening all over the world, even as the world is in a little bit of uh, 
Tough state, a little bit of discord with everything going on. We want to give out our shout-outs just to end this show on a high note. We'll start with you, Zach. Zach, who are you shouting out? Uh, I'm going to shout out the uh, Cleveland Browns, Indians, and Cavs. Um, You haven't heard, um, you know, kind of obviously with a lot of the uh, social issues going on, they had decided to create a sports alliance to address social injustice in the city of Cleveland, Northeast Ohio. Um, The partnership will focus on improving the relationship between law enforcement and residents, promoting voting, and increasing opportunities for quality education. Um, So obviously... I think that's a huge thing, and I think they all deserve a shout. The first alliance of its sort, these are three franchises, a lot of well, money, you know, that they yeah, can Yeah, and of, it's not like three franchises that are owned well by the same person. Right. All the ownership groups, all the general managers. managers coaches group. are going to be involved, and obviously they said, obviously, hopefully players, I'm sure, will get involved, so I think that's yeah, great. Yeah, you know, a lot of diversity in there, you know, uh, mm-hmm. the... Browns having one of the few African-American GMs. Right. Uh, Cavs have J.B. Bickerstaff, you know, an African-American coach. So a lot of diversity there and, and really great to see. All right. Well, going over to Josh. Josh, who are you shouting out this week? Um, I'm just shouting out, you know, the players in general and especially in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, Trey Hopkins on the Bengals is – and some of the Bengals players are having discussions with Mike Brown in the front office there. Um, Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlop, uh, Carlos Dunlop especially, has been pretty vocal about his disappointment with how the Bengals front office has handled social justice issues, not just this year, but in the past. Um, and they they have not done a good job of really handling those issues. Um, the, the Reds as well are leaps and bounds ahead of the Bengals there uh, on how they handle things. But but all of, all of this that's being done by teams, it's all coming from the players. Yeah. Um, you know, I mentioned the Bengals players, and then you've got guys like Amir Garrett who's been very vocal on social media about things. You know, like, keep talking. Keep talking. Like, I don't care if anyone tells you to go play sports or if you have to stop playing sports for a couple of days to get yeah. your message across. Keep talking. They have a platform they should use. Yeah, it. keep talking. That's where the change is going to come from is guys like that that have the platform. Keep talking. Yeah, and certainly cool to see guys using their platform to um, to deal with change. Um, I'm going to shout out someone who, uh, you know, was one of the forefront of calling change and then also a, a guy that portrayed him. Uh, my two shout-outs, one – uh, this weekend, of course, or this past weekend, as you're listening to the podcast, was uh, Jackie Robinson weekend. Of course, Jackie Robinson breaking the uh, barrier, first African-American to play for the Brooklyn Dodgers. So this weekend, you know, everybody wearing 42 in um, in honor of him and with everything going on with, you know, some of the, the racial inequality and the racial justice, uh, you know, cool to see his name come out because he's definitely a hero, you know, him. Uh, Bill Russell, who has been very vocal, he was a guy who, you know, with the boycotting of the NBA games, he boycotted a, a preseason game back in uh, the 60s. So cool to see some of these guys come back to life. And then also, uh, you know, kind of in the same tone, but just a, an overall good guy who portrayed Jackie Robinson, helped to get his story out kind of yeah. again in 42, uh, was Chadwick Bozeman, who, you know, played Black Panther, uh, played Thurgood Marshall, you know, played Jackie Robinson. Um, unfortunately passed away at 43 after a four-year-long battle with uh, colon cancer. But he's a guy, you know, who played some some pivotal roles in some, you know, uh, African-Americans, you know, pride. You know, Black Panther, obviously a big movie for that, uh, playing Jackie Robinson and and was a guy that was a positive impact, you know, 
in the movie world and, you know, in the world in general, even while he was, you know, fighting a courageous battle against colon cancer. So certainly a tough thing to hear him pass away, but it's been cool to see, you know, everybody shouting him out afterwards. So, you know, kind of two things going hand in hand, you know, number 42, Jackie Robinson and the man he, he played both kind of being remembered this weekend. And I think, guys, that's going to wrap us up for this weekend. Uh, you know, thank you so much for listening to 30 Rack Sports. We'll be back next weekend. Uh, wrap up the week in sports. Uh, see if the trade deadline, you know, gets anything. And uh, start to preview week one for both the Browns and the Bengals. We'll see you next week. As we're drinking some more Oktoberfest beer. Because Prost. Prost. Oktoberfest here on 30 Rack of Sports. See you next week. Peace.